Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the August 18th, 2023 Friday reading of the Ark Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Denver Catholic Archdiocese joins local Christian academy in suing state over UPK funding, written by Jan Wundra. Motorists traveling U.S. 50 Monarch Pass can expect brief delays August 21st through 23rd, written by Community Contributor. CKS River Supply and Buna Viking transform Buna Vista's East Main, written by Carly Winchell. And Geothermal Energy Part 2, The Path to Power, written by August Tobes, and following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, Denver Catholic Archdiocese joins local Christian academy in suing state over UPK funding. This posted by Jan Wundra. The Denver Catholic Archdiocese, along with two of its parishes, is suing the state over the Colorado Universal Pre-Kindergarten UPK program that is rolling out this fall to preschools statewide. It joins Buena Vista-based Darren Patterson Christian Academy, a state-licensed Christian preschool facility known as Busy Bees. That local facility filed suit against the state in late June over the state's anti-discrimination requirement. The Archdiocese alleges First Amendment violations because while they want the money, they also want to exclude LGBTQ parents, staff, and kids from Archdiocesan preschools. The claim? The state's anti-discrimination laws violate their religious beliefs. This is similar to the claim made earlier this summer by Busy Bees. It claims that meeting the state's anti-discrimination standards will require the facility to, quote, surrender their religious character, their particular brand of Christian beliefs, and exercise to participate in Colorado's universal preschool program just like everyone else, close quote. The state's voter-approved program is intended to provide every preschool child 15 hours per week of state-funded preschool in the year before they are eligible for kindergarten. To be eligible, though, schools must meet the state's non-discrimination requirements. It should be pointed out that the UPK ballot question approved by state voters did not include any approval allowing the preschools getting student funding from the program to discriminate against who they treat fairly and which will be excluded. It did not provide voter approval to pick and choose which people will be treated fairly, which children will be excluded because they or their parents are LGBTQ+, or their parents aren't Catholic. The Colorado Department of Regulatory Affairs, CCRD, enforces the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act, CADA. CADA can be found in Parts 3 through 8 of Colorado Revised Statutes, CRS, Title 24, Article 34, starting at Section 300. 
Additionally, CCRD refers to the standards and guidance set out in the State of Colorado Civil Rights Commission Rules and Regulation, found in the Code of Colorado Regulations. Specific CADA Parts, Part 3, Colorado Civil Rights Division, Commission, Procedures, CRS Section 24-34-301 at SEC. Part 4, Employment Practices, CRS Section 24-34-401 at SEC. Part 5, Housing Practices, CRS Section 24-34-501 at SEC. Part 6, Discrimination in Places of Public Accommodation, CRS Section 24-34-601 at SEC. Part 7, Discriminatory Advertising, CRS Section 24-34-701 at SEC. And Part 8, Persons with Disabilities, Civil Rights, CRS Section 24-34-801 at SEC. As Arc Valley Voice pointed out in our June 30th article about the Busy Bees lawsuit, Some might see this as a case where discriminatory behavior is being presented not just as free speech, but as religious rights, setting up a showdown with the state. But these schools aren't just like everyone else. By their own words, they exclude those of whom they don't approve. Others point out that this lawsuit, if won, might open the door in Colorado for taxpayer money to flow to private schools, including religious schools, to the detriment of public schools. That story, Denver Catholic Archdiocese joins local Christian academy in suing state over UPK funding. Next up, motorists traveling U.S. 50 Monarch Pass can expect brief delays August 21st through 23rd, this posted by Community Contributor. Highway maintenance paving operations will take place east of Sargent's. Next week, the Colorado Department of Transportation, CDOT, has announced that it will pave a short segment of U.S. 50 between Sargent's and Monarch Pass, mile points 196 through 197. The paving will take place between next Monday through Wednesday. Motorists will experience full stops and delays running from 6.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. According to CDOT, motorists should plan for up to 20-minute delays and allow for extra travel time. Vehicles will be guided by cones, signs, and flagging personnel. Access in and out of intersections may be restricted at times. A speed reduction of 40 miles per hour will be enforced through the work zones. CDOT is assuring the public that its crews will work as swiftly as possible to complete the surface treatment, but it notes that resurfacing operations are weather-dependent. That story, motorists traveling U.S. 50 Monarch Pass can expect brief delays August 21st through 23rd. And continuing, CKS River Supply and Buna Viking transform Buna Vista's East Main, this posted by Carly Winchell. For anyone walking down Buna Vista's East Main Street, it is difficult to miss the new construction on the north side of the street. Two buildings sandwiching the historic brothel have been rising this summer. 
The new mixed-use complex is a collaboration between CKS Main Street and the Buna Viking and will be their future home once construction is completed. It will also provide new services for locals and visitors alike. Buna Viking owners Anna and Evan Winger and CKS River Supply owners Megan and Brad Kingman are cautiously optimistic that the buildings will be completed by November of this year, with doors hopefully opening mid to late November, though that depends on construction. Alongside the Buna Viking and CKS Supply, the building will also be home to the Shorehouse Hotel and the Even Keel Lodge. The lodge will be located on top of the Buna Viking and feature two studio rentals and a penthouse apartment. The Even Keel Lodge is a resting spot for travelers craving to be in the soul of Main Street Buena Vista. The rentals are motivated by the Scandinavian use of the word hig and aim to be simple, soft, and cozy, said Anna Winger. Our travels in Norway are inspiring the architecture and livability of the spots. The name Even Keel Lodge comes from our passion to keep this Viking ship upright. The Buna Viking food truck has been a staple of the Buena Vista summer food scene. Currently located in the alley behind the Buena Vista Roastery Cafe, the truck is finishing up its seventh season. Winger explained that they are excited to expand their menu and offerings in their new venue as a brick-and-mortar restaurant. Patrons can look forward to some healthier salad options because people should take a break from loaded tots for at least one month a year. But really, we are working hard on a more inclusive menu with the same tried-and-true burger options, said Winger. The Buna Viking also plans on a full bar and rooftop patio to complement their food offerings. Our team is excited to have the time and space to really play with our menu and offerings. But what brought these businesses together for this collaboration? Megan Kingman described the Wingers as some of their closest friends. When they purchased the lot in December 2020, the Kingmans knew they wanted to build something incorporating the historic brothel in the center. They envisioned a concept with businesses on either side, featuring a courtyard in the center to showcase the historic building. Knowing their friends were looking for a permanent spot for the Buna Viking, the Kingmans offered them a chance for collaboration. We knew our business, CKS River Supply, and the Buna Viking had good energy together, and we know that Anna and Evan have great taste, said Kingman. We have watched them beautifully remodel their own home and create a fun, vibrant space for their food truck. We wanted partners in this project who saw life the way we see it, not too seriously, and whose design aesthetics would jibe with ours. So together we've embarked on a mission to bring life to that historic brothel that's been isolated for too long on Main Street. Winger explained that they had all been renting their locations while working to build their businesses and craved a permanent home to call their own. When the Kingmans purchased the property and offered the lot to the Viking, the Wingers seized the opportunity. While there are pros and cons to owning versus renting, I can safely say we are all excited to own a piece of Main Street dirt to keep growing our individual businesses. 
It helps that the Wingers and Kingmans have been friends and neighbors for seven years in their businesses. The friendship began on the river. Now the couples are raising kids together and working to make their business dreams come true. For the Buna Viking, the opportunity to have a location open through every season is another benefit. A new local hangout. The Wingers are excited at the prospect of serving locals more effectively now that they will be able to keep doors open year round. The past few years, the months we are open are extremely inundated with the tourism industry. Evan and I miss the days of the Buna Viking being a locals hangout and hope we are recreating that for at least some of the year. We are excited for all the off season collaborations we can make happen with CKS River Supply. The buildings will share a patio area for customers to shop, eat, and drink. They hope to make a welcoming location suited as a social gathering spot for both locals and visitors. The Shorehouse website explains that the goal of this project is to create spaces that feel wholly of this town and supports the fun, lighthearted spirit that brings people here. CKS owner Megan Kingman is enthusiastic about staying true to this goal. The space is going to be rad. Buena Vista is a special place. It encourages community, and the people who live here are kind and full of life and laughter. The outdoors are our most cherished treasure, and we created a space to celebrate open air, great views, and interaction with indoor and outdoor spaces. These new buildings are designed to create a honeypot of vibrance with a central courtyard that will be open, lively, and reflective of our community and our outdoor spaces. Megan and husband Brad have lived in Buena Vista on and off since 2006. They began as raft guides and eventually decided to make a life in the area. Buena Vista stole our hearts and brought us back for a reason. We want to share that reason with those who come to stay, recreate, and eat in our spaces, said Kingman. When asked what she was most excited for with the new site, Kingman ruminated on the impending completion of construction and having a space to pass along to generations of family. But ultimately, she cited the artistic collaborations lined up to give local flair to the project. Each of the Shorehouse Hotel rooms will have an artist to adorn the walls and fill the space with their energy. I have chosen four women artists from Chafee County who inspire me in their personal lives, their approach to life, and their passions, said Kingman. Each room is designed to mimic the artist's style. The names of the Shorehouse Hotel rooms and their content will be a nod to Buena Vista history and river culture. The Kingmans have lived abroad and managed resorts and worked in hospitality for a number of years. They lived and traveled to places across the world, but always felt pulled back to Buena Vista. They moved here full time in 2012. Though their primary job has been CKS, they have experienced building houses, remodeling, and feel passionate about designing a space with intentionality. This project is a culmination of our passions. Our store, our valley, our experience, and our design all in one, said Megan. The Wingers say they look forward to the future this project promises. We are so excited to be collaborating with Megan and Brad. Our visions align, 
And through all of the ups and downs of getting these things built, we've grown and learned and can't wait to create this special spot in Buena Vista together, said Anna Winger. We all hope our kids are running fryers and schlepping kayaks sooner than later. And along with building our businesses, we are creating a permanent home for our families. That story, entitled CKS River Supply and Buena Viking, Transform Buena Vista's East Main. Next up, Geothermal Energy Part 2, The Path to Power. This posted by August Toves. While some might say geothermal research and permitting is way too slow, others are saying, wait up. Editors note, this is part two of a series on geothermal energy development in Chafee County. It will deal primarily with the procedural aspects of geothermal research and the permitting process that governs such actions. You can read part one at a link in the article. The upcoming Arc Valley Voice Geothermal Energy Part 3 will focus on the technical side. In that the bureaucratic aspect of geothermal energy is extraordinarily complicated, there is no possibility of covering every regulatory body and its particular permitting requirements over the course of just one article. If there is an aspect you would like discussed more in-depth or have questions you would like to see answered even after reading the upcoming Part 3, reach out to August at arcvalleyvoice.com. A great many of the concerns raised by those involved with the Buena Vista BV community for a pristine Mount Princeton PMP are couched in terms of technical and environmental worries. Could the geothermal plant contaminate aquifers and local privately owned wells? Will it be too loud or too big? Can it actually meet the hypothetical 10 megawatt output? To be clear, these are legitimate worries, especially for the residents who are most likely to be affected by adverse impacts of a geothermal energy production facility. This article does not intend to discount the validity inherent to their concerns. But, as one attendee at PMP's July 21st informational meeting noted, in my opinion, this is a group that's way ahead of itself. The Chafee Board of County Commissioners, BOCC, in a statement released on Thursday, August 10th, reaffirmed that sentiment, saying, To date, the county has not received an activity notice for geothermal exploration, nor been provided any information on proposed exploration for geothermal resources that would prompt requirements for an activity notice, nor received any request for geothermal projects that may prompt requirements for a 1041 permit application. Benjamin Teschner, Solid Minerals Leasing Manager at the Colorado State Land Board, CSLB, which is the government agency that leased the land to Mount Princeton Geothermal, MPG, on which they plan to drill test wells, echoed the above sentiments in so many words. To say that this project is in its infancy would be an understatement. Teschner's statement is incisive and leads to the major issue precluding any number of deliberative bodies from addressing concerns regarding a geothermal plant. Geothermal energy in Chafee County is still in its gestational form, which means no one is completely suited to give conclusive answers to many of the questions raised. 
They can't provide specific details on land cost or impacts because the very productive viability of any geothermal resource near Rodeo Road and CR-323 is so indefinite. At this stage, experts on the subject, the engineers at MPG or Sangre de Cristo Electric Association, SDCEA for example, can do their best to make and provide well-informed hypothetical answers to concerned stakeholders, but for now that is all they are. Geothermal exploration may reveal the unknowns. Questions that can be answered at this time relate more so to the path that geothermal exploration may take from here and how that path might be overseen by deliberative bodies in the nation, state, and county. To start simply, the next step in geothermal production and the next hurdle facing MPG is the conclusive proving of an anomalous, especially hot, resource. Practically speaking, that begins with a gradient test well. Gradient wells are shallow test wells, rarely going as deep as 500 meters, 1,640 feet, according to the Geothermal Resource Group. That depth is especially relevant in its relationship to the much-discussed County 1041 regulations. Such a well may cost somewhere between $1 to $2 million, dependent on any number of variables, like steel prices on the open market or labor costs. A Senate appropriation request for $1 million has already been denied. In 2022, the state of Colorado put together a grant program to aid in geothermal development, but it is behind schedule, having yet to even begin taking applications. This slow deployment, combined with the denied Senate appropriations request, has MPG in a difficult funding environment. Per the terms of Chafee County's 2013 guidelines for the administration and use of geothermal resources, any test well shallower than 2,500 feet is not subject to the permit application and review requirements enumerated in the 1041 regulatory procedure. Instead, to drill a gradient test well at depths shallower than 2,500 feet, MPG would only have to submit an activity notice for exploratory actions to the county. Such a notice would demand a significant amount of prior exploration. It must include extensive mapping of the proposed exploration area, descriptions of the means of exploration and site reclamation, plans for the protection of public health, and the environment, and a copy of permits issued by the state engineer. MPG already has a geothermal resource testing lease from the CSLB for 3,692 acres of land. It was granted in June of 2020 and will expire in June of 2025. To actually build a facility, MPG would have to renegotiate their lease with the CSLB, which would be a massive contractual overhaul. That land is also leased to several other parties, including Young Life and a private individual who grazes cattle on it. All other CSLB leaseholders would have to be considered if MPG were to renegotiate their lease for a facility. Drill permits are the charge of the state engineer and ECMC. A drill permit for all test wells shallower than 2,500 feet must be given by the Colorado Division of Water Resources, DWR, 
and, at this time, the DWR permitting database shows no active permit issued to MPG or anyone else at the site of interest. Neither does the Energy and Carbon Management Commission, ECMC, formerly known as the Oil and Gas Conservation Committee, who, as of May, are newly responsible for all deep geothermal activity in the state. Right now, the ECMC is undertaking the process of revising existing regulations for deep geothermal operations in Colorado. Permitting by the state engineer demands applicants adhere to very specific standards for the preservation of the environment, such as the amount of required steel casing, the type of grouting used to seal the well, and the type of liquids allowed to be injected into the ground to eliminate the risk of contamination. All of the above cannot be assembled without a bid from an engineering firm. MPG has put out a request for proposals, but we are told the details of their search for a contracting partner are confidential at this time. And that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Arc Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.